Hi and welcome to Leitrim Daily. My name is Brefney Early and you are listening to Kiss My Arts here on the podcast. My guest today is a Longford man originally, but has been living and working and writing in Leitrim for the last 10 or 11 years or so. Wayne Denniston, welcome to the show. Thank you. How would you describe yourself, Wayne? Writer, playwright, actor? Chancellor. <laughs> no, I suppose a uh, playwright um, with aspirations of acting as well, but um, not necessarily restricted to stage, but for the last number of years, really, I've been writing for uh, predominantly stage, but uh, radio as well. So, Let's rewind a little bit. I mentioned you have Longford roots. Tell us a bit about yourself growing up and, and up to the point where you decided to emigrate to Leitrim. Uh, well, I suppose growing up, you, when you grow up in a small town and you, see, you have notions of being, say, a writer or that, you're not going to get a lot of encouragement, especially back in my era. Not making myself sound too old, but um, definitely it wouldn't be like it is today where there's a lot of uh, opportunities in the arts or where it's more welcomed. So uh, that was kind of difficult. So I just I, I moved away quite young in life, uh, moved around the country a bit, going aimlessly, but always writing, but never seeing as something uh, that would be viable as a, as a life you know, something that you can make money of or have a career anyway. Um, so I just kind of really fell into it by accident. Then uh, I wrote a radio play. There was a call for uh, a radio drama, and I entered something in and took off from there, really. And then I just thought, well, I'll give it a few years, see what happens. And uh, thankfully, it's been working out okay. What was the experience up to that point? Like, was it just a, a random, I've never written anything before, I'll stick something in? Or had you been writing? I'd been writing, um, like, there was a lot of ideas that uh, I even really kind of bring back now or can develop them from the past. Uh, like, I always had uh, the notion of writing plays or whatever, but um, I just, I didn't see it feasible, really. There really wasn't that kind of um, encouragement to, to do that. So, uh, really, it was just by chance, you know, a complete fluke. And, and luckily, it took off me. What was that project, do you remember? I was just a call for a radio play, um, I submitted something and ended up in broadcaster for on radio on Shanside and Ocean, I think, Ocean FM, and uh, won a PPI award. And that gave me the encouragement then to keep on writing uh, further for a few radio plays, but then um, I gravitated towards writing for stage and been doing that since. Because uh, I'm intrigued by this original play, so that play was set in Leitrim. When, when are we talking, by the way? When would that have happened? Um, 2007, I think, 2008, around that time. Um, it was to do with by racers and that, that kind of culture, and rural pubs closing down, so not at all relevant today. But uh, It kind of sounds like it is yeah. still relevant today. <laughs> yeah, it seems to be a bit now with the, the continued closure of pubs and that, but um, and the drink drive and whatever, that was kind of the big team in it, and um, it resonated with audiences, so I was happy with that. And like I said, it gave me the encouragement into, you know, I'll stick it out, see what happens, and uh, here I am. So that was 2007, and then in 2008 you made the decision to move to County Leitrim. Yeah. Oh, what what uh, was the reason behind that? Just fell in love with the place? Yeah. Or you fell in of love? Of course, I have to say that. Yeah, of course I did, yeah. Um, I, f- I just liked it, really, and uh, it was good and peaceful to write, so I said, why not, you know? So what has that relationship been like with, with yourself in County Leitrim? Has it helped you to develop over the last 11 or 12 years? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I tend to... I, I love listening to people and meeting different characters. And Leitrim has a very kind of unique way about it, I find anyway. And I draw a lot of inspiration from people and the way they speak, the rhythms of their speech. And hopefully I can translate that uh, in my work. 
Now, one of the events we talked about beforehand, before we turned on the microphones, was uh, a play you did called Old Horny. Tell us a bit about that. Uh, Old Horny was a stage play I wrote back in 2014, and it was kind of about the whole Garth Brooks fiasco. Uh, but it was really, we caught lightning in a bottle with it. Um, it was about this lonely guy uh, in uh, rural Ireland, rural Leitrim. And he's visited by a guy who was uh, canvassing for the elections at the time, an independent, and who was also a big Gar Brooks fan. And this guy, uh, Packy, the main character, he had uh, tickets that he had won for Gar Brooks, but he had no interest in it. And he began to bargain with this guy, uh, in a very unusual way to get the tickets off him and uh, it ends up being quite chaotic but uh, it really kind of it really connected with audiences because of how topical it was I remember when uh, it was staged up in the dock here in Carrick uh, someone stopped me afterwards and asked did, had I uh, written it the night before where it was just like it was so irrelevant like, is, said, is no, that no, how no, relevant no. it was or how, how poor the acting was <laughs> <laughs> well we'll say the right no the acting was good I loaned that one yeah no no <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was just, it was so on the button, but complete fluke. I mean, you, 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 if you try to do it, you, you make a pause of it, but um, thankfully it just worked out brilliantly. And we toured around, like we did theatres, we did pubs, with we were just brought everywhere. It was a two-hander and uh, yeah, it really connected just because of that. So Had you, you written it before the whole thing blew up into the will they, won't they, will they, won't they saga? Uh, yeah, we, like, we had to slightly alter the ending because uh, we were literally watching the news one day to figure out which ending we were going with. We're watching the six o'clock news, we're on stage at half eight, so I had a very little rehearsal time, but it made it exciting. It was a, it was a great experience, really. And uh, after that, you know, you just want to keep writing stage plays, <laughs> or not for the actors, I don't know, but uh, I, I enjoyed it anyway. What's the difference between performing a stage play at a venue like the Dock that's not quite purpose-built, but purposely redesigned, at least, to be a venue and in a pub or community hall? Uh, I think there's more fear in the community or pub, I, I presume anyway, it was for me in, on, on the background looking in, but I can't imagine what it's like for the performers. But I think they, they like to feed off the adrenaline, really. And um, yeah, it adds an extra dimension to it. And I think the audience is kind of more on board because it, it's not something you, you would normally see in a pub. Yeah, I can just imagine, like, in any country pub, the guy up at the bar who's had one or two or six well, too many. Well, yeah, it happened in one show, uh, of course. Um, there was a, a scene where, a moment in the play where the guy is uh, going off on one and someone arrived drunk and thought it was an actual fight and began to participate. But luckily, it, uh, we shooed him away. <laughs> yeah, so, you, you need to have fairly strong security for events yeah, like that. Yeah, so, but uh, the, the, all part of the experience. The last time we, we spoke to you, you were just about to put on a rehearsed reading of your play, The Arigna... Arigna Ramus? The Arigna Ramus. Arigna Ramus, which I struggle with saying every single time because it's so simple. It's Arigna... Oh, God, now I've done it again. It's ignoramus and ignoramus Arigna. and Arigna, of yes. course. Uh, and no so, offence to Arigna or... So it's basically about an ignoramus from Arigna, right? Well, it was a, a cruel name. They don't put, exist, do they? Not at all, no. Um, no, it was a cruel nickname uh, put upon the character Conan in the play. Uh, it was given to him by his, his teacher in school, headmaster who uh, was very cruel and uh, punishing of him for not knowing his sums and whatnot. So, uh, and there's something he, about a dead chicken or a stuffed chicken? Yeah, he spends his evenings talking to his, his dead chicken, Erlingus, who's his only, uh, the only company for him, really. So, uh, Your imagination must be scary at times. 
uh, that keeps me occupied anyway. Like, you know, <laughs> the odd sleepless night, but you know. What's happening with your ignoramus now? Uh, I've been doing a lot of editing on it since uh, since the reading for Culture Night. Uh, you want to get it in good shape. I, I tend to write really long, and so I'm just trying to get it into a, an acceptable length for the performer to to perform. And that was a one man show with Conor Lambert as the as Con or as Conan Conboy. Conan Conboy or the ignoramus. Uh, we, we shouldn't call him that. Yeah, yeah, um, what's the relationship there with yourself and Connor? Does he do stuff like this for you all the time, or was it just something he said? No, Did you have him him in mind when you wrote the piece? Uh, I had him in mind because he's a very kind of forlorn face, I think, and I thought that suited Conan in my head anyway. So he agreed to do it, uh, but it was a good experience so far because it's very collaborative. The two of us. Um, he brought a lot to it, and he he, he actually. He can see things in the character that he could open up more that I hadn't seen. So it was a nice experience in that way. It's nice because when you see a really good actor in motion, like or going through the motions of the acting, it's really something to behold. I really, I've always admired like very good actors, and uh, yeah, that's something I enjoy very much. What's it like watching a really good actor repeat back this scene that you've written and maybe put a different slant on it that you hadn't expected? Do you get a bit protective of your vision of it or do you allow them to, to kind of go in their own direction and see where it ends up? You have to allow them to go their own direction, really, I find, because um, it's never uh, what you expect. It's never what you hear in your head, I find. Anyway. It's like if you read a novel, uh, it's made into a film. It's never You're never going to be fully happy with it because it's not how you heard it or saw it. But it still could be good. So that's really what happens. Um, you have to let them run with it, but not to the extent where it's you know a, a different piece but uh thankfully that hasn't happened uh, it's just a great interpretation i find anyway and uh so far the, the response has been very good what are you working on at the moment uh at the moment i'm writing a one-man show called the two virgins which i will be performing next year myself so looking forward to that uh a little bit scared but a little bit excited and have you got a venue or dates for that yet or uh, it'll be the late summer autumn next year and venues to be announced and what what stage are you at with the writing uh, again it's the editing it's this thing of writing is rewriting it, it's done but it's at a length where you want to appear it back and get in uh, in shape for uh, for presenting to an audience and in terms of i suppose going forward with that tell us as much as you can really without spoiling the the play tell us a bit about what the storyline of that uh, play uh, is going to be it's kind of a companion piece to the Ignoramus, uh, in that it deals with a character who is isolated, even though he's a, this character is more around people than the Ignoramus. Uh, the character is called Pruncius. Um, his family is originally from Carrigallon, but um, they've moved to Carrigallon when he was a kid. And uh, he, he suffers with his mental health, and he's just renting an apartment over a pub. He's moved out of home after the dad decided to kick him out. And he's kind of the butt of many jokes in this pub. And he decides he's going to emigrate back to Carrie Gallen. This is a big plan to get a new life where no one will know him. But then again, he decides maybe I won't. Maybe I'll do something else which will take him down a, a darker path. So without giving too much away, it, there is a lot of uh, humour in it, hopefully. But also there is kind of a, a pathos and a darkness to it as well. That seems to run through a lot of your work in terms of the ignoramus. It's a one man on his own, solitary. Yeah. This sounds something similar to... Is that something you take from your own life or from people around you? It's interesting. I think it's more from... I really like being alone. 
So I, I'm with you on that one. Yeah, <laughs> so I really enjoy my own company. Uh, I always have done. And I find it fascinating because I do see, particularly uh, men, you see certain men that just have to talk to you and they have to keep talking and they want, they need company. And I, there's this thing of no man's an island. And I guess it's true, just I'd be unusual in that way. But it fascinates me. And I just wanted to explore that because, like I said, it, it's not something that I can entirely relate to, but as an outsider looking in, I think I can bring something to it. I think that's where the kind of the humour comes from, which can can be kind of caustic, I suppose. But it's really because I'm not I'm not that guy, I suppose, thankfully. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're you're safe enough for a couple of more years. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. Uh, what else is ongoing uh, in your world at the moment in terms of work? Uh, I'm also doing a one-act play, which I hopefully will be co-producing with someone uh, in the new year. It deals with the homeless situation at the moment, but uh, and hopefully in a unique way, and which will draw attention to that horrible situation, really. Um, but it'll be more about that in the new year, hopefully, around the spring. I'll have an announcement about that. Now, in terms of being a full-time writer in, in Catalyst, like, do you have other source of income or are you 100% reliant on, on this? Uh, it's really this, really. Um, you, you know, you just you have enough to keep the wool from the door, but, you know, you're not going to be uh, buying a new house yet. So someone who's out there maybe who likes to write or who has ideas or maybe um, has a book, they feel they have a book in them or a play in them, what are the steps that they can take? What are the supports that you've had maybe that they could also rep- replicate and, and take advantage of in terms of uh, giving them that first or second f- step on the ladder um well in terms of theater i suppose i would just get out and do it um think in terms of what can you physically produce i mean there's no point writing a play with 12 characters and three set changes or something like that you want to get something which is doesn't necessarily be a one-man show but you know two three small cast and a simple location but you know there's a lot of uh, local talented actors get them together uh, just send your script out to people. Get, uh, hear your script read out loud is a great help because then you can, well, you can see actors work, but you can also see, you know, does does this actually work? Because you, you can write, you know, what you think is great dialogue, but an actor might be going, I can't say this, you know. It's like yeah. Harrison Ford said to George Lucas, you can type this shit, but you can't say it. You know, so there is that true element to it. Um, worked all right for Lucas though in the yeah, end. Worked out, yeah, but. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, that's generally I would just get out and do it as much as you can um, in terms of writing a book or that. Again, like I said, it's just about rewriting. Uh, you got to get used to that. You're never going to write a masterpiece first go, so you just keep at it, really. And I think the ones who succeed are the ones that really don't have a fallback plan. I mean, it's you're either all in or not. Uh, I think the ones that just want to do it, you, you'll get there eventually. So you're saying you nearly need to have to do it, go all in and see where the chips fall exactly yeah really that's really it. it's, it's scary but um hopefully it pays off for you and if not well come back and talk to you, you about it you can talk to a dead chicken or something yeah. <laughs> in terms, very true touche in terms of what is available in the county uh with the arts um the arts office in, in Leitrim county council have you had any dealings with them over the years in terms of supports or in terms of advice or courses that might be available to people uh just uh, basic really uh, and there's been some funding in the past but uh, in general I think where I don't really fit the mould in terms of the work I do can be kind of a bit off the wall I suppose and a bit um, well I, I call my production company close to the bone I think it can be a bit close to the bone for some people and doesn't really fit into the classic mould of what a player should be so I really have to 
rely on myself and what I can raise myself to get, to get this stuff on. Explain that a bit more to me in terms of what I suppose people think people want versus what you offer. Well, like growing up, I I know nothing about players, to be honest. Like uh, People say, who's your favourite playwright or inspiration? I don't know any of them. And it's not out of disrespect or anything. Um, just growing up, I was more into music or films. And theatre was kind of like for, I suppose, the middle class. I think there is still that kind of stigma. I don't think it's true, but there is that feeling that it's more snooty and it's not for your general audience. But I always thought, I always liked the concept of theatre. I thought if I could make a, a play that's as entertaining as a film, then I think uh, I could get a whole new audience in. So I don't know if I'm, if I'm succeeding in that, but that's kind of the plan with it. Well, you're still at it a dozen years later, so you can't really complain. No, no, I can't. No, no, it's been good so far, so... Yeah, hopefully I'll keep going. What's been your biggest and proudest achievement of of that period of your life? I suppose just getting to play on. <laughs> uh, no, a lot goes into that though, because you're you're basically on your own. Like, yeah, there's venues there, but when it comes to actually producing what people see, if you're writing it or acting in it or both, what are the steps that that are needed to to get from an idea in your head onto paper into the hands of the actor and onto stage? Uh, you need a lot of persistence. Um, well, first of all, for an actor, I think you need a good script because without that, you're you're lost. That's where you come in, though. That's hopefully where I come in. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's once you have the the groundwork of that. If you have a good script, a good story, and then a good actor that comes in, you're halfway there. Uh, but I think to answer your question, what's my proudest moment? It would be when you first hear an audience laugh. Because when I put on the uh, old horny first, I really thought that no one would laugh at this. And it was kind of like, that. I suppose, that fear that a comedian would have where you tell a joke and no one laughs. And they were laughing straight away and they kept laughing. And I was just like, whoa, thank God. Just, is that a relief? It was or a relief. Oh, unreal. I mean, I was so scared. I, was, I actually had an exit plan, literally, that I was going to run out the back door and <laughs> not talk to anyone. But... Uh, yeah, they, they just loved it from beginning to end, and uh, that was a great feeling. When people respond to something that you create, it's 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 like a drug. You just want to you want to chase that high all the time. Do you find yourself self-editing when you're writing in terms of oh, I can't say that because potentially that person's going to be there, or this person's going to be there, and I don't want them to think that of me? Or oh, no, because I like I think you should be a bit apprehensive about people seeing your work because I think it should be very personal. People should say, you got that from me, or that's based on so-and-so. Uh, you really have to be honest with yourself. If you want to write uh, at a proper level, y- you have to have that kind of honesty. Because I think that's what people respond to with me so far, is that uh, you know, it's characters they can relate to. But if you start kind of um, towing it back, or someone kept, uh, like self-censoring, it's, it's not going to work. Have you had that conversation with people that you've taken little snippets off, maybe some episodes you've had with people, and they come back and say, "That's that's us. That's the conversation we had." Oh yeah, yeah. Do you uh, warn them beforehand it's going to be in there? No, no. Uh, it's like a little Easter eggs for them. And uh, I love is the reaction always good or can so it be far, negative? So far, uh, I don't. I've never like you know plus someone saws uh, extramarital affair on stage, but uh, I don't think I ever go that far. Maybe down the road, <laughs> but uh, there's nothing like that would, that would 
cause major offence to anyone. I think it's more like uh, a tip of the hat to them, like, thanks for that. And that could be kind of a scary thing if you're, if a friend recognises an episode, then all of a sudden their partner is cheating on them. It's like, on, are you well, trying to tell me something? Someone said um, no one wants to own up to that character is based on me. <laughs> not the guy that talks about dead chicken. No, that's not me. No, no, no. I don't know. Is it so, based on someone you know, though? Yeah, no, Conan would be uh, an amalgamation of various different people I've met over the years. Um, so you know someone who's talked to that chicken? No, or that part is uh, that's pure, fictional. That's pure me, yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> I, I, just I, you. Yeah. That's no, I, I like. Um, I see a lot of these. Well, I haven't seen them, but I, I know of these uh, one-man shows where uh, they just talk on stage. I just thought, like, make them talk to something, you know. So I made Erdingus the friend of Conan in the play, and that works better. I find, you know, because otherwise, I don't know, it just takes me out of it when, you're, when you just have a guy or a woman on stage talking for, for no reason. But you can create a second character without actually anything animal. Oh, of course, yeah. I mean, Erling is, is kind of like the co-star of that play. Uh, well, I, certainly when Connor uh, performed it, it, it was like there was uh, two guys on stage. It's like, what was it? Was it Wilson? Uh, Tom Hanks had in Castaway? Oh, the beach Volleyball. Ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, volleyball. So yeah. It, it basically allows you to kind of talk to somebody and almost almost interpret what they're saying to things yeah. without actually having to pay a second actor, which at this level of drama yeah, yeah. is quite beneficial <laughs> yeah, yeah. as well. I mean, yeah, like, like cut corners every way you can, like make them talk to a, like a volleyball. Yeah. Do you think about that when you start to write a play? Is, is, is the, oh, yeah, is the production mean, of it almost more important than the content in some respects? Well, you have to be wary of both. I mean, like, luckily I never, I've never really thought of you know, the, the 20 character play. I don't want to do that. Um, because inevitably you're going to have characters who are like one dimensional you know it, it, the, the fewer characters the more you can develop them and the more they can interact with each other like, but um, I think theatre should be intimate so if you have a, an enormous cast which is kind of the fashion back in the day that these big big productions big characters big character cast size uh, nowadays that's kind of it's not really the fashion so uh, like you said earlier uh, people looking for tips on how to get a play on write something that's Imagine. feasible yeah like then you get on that you can do yourself and uh, that isn't going to cost a bomb now i know you're involved in a whole lot of stuff kind of into the new year we haven't actually mentioned the project about the homeless uh, crisis in the country at the moment you're working something in respect to that yeah it's a that's a 200 play uh, again it's two women on stage but uh will draw attention to that particular situation and I hopefully hopefully it humanizes uh, someone living on the streets because I think that's one of the problems is that we, we you know you hear on the news the homeless the homeless it's almost like they're uh, non-human and that's a massive problem I mean, these are human beings living on, on on the street at Christmas it's just nuts uh, it just you know well it's uh, nuts any night of the year but particularly yeah, this time of the year and the yeah, weather exactly. and the temperatures I mean, dark at half four, I mean, uh, it's just... It's a miserable existence, yeah. Yeah, and um, enough's enough, really. So, you know, I'm not going to make any uh, kind of inroads on, on solving it, but if I can use my abilities to draw attention to this in some way, then hopefully uh, it'll help in some way. Absolutely fantastic. What's next for Wayne Denison? Will we be seeing you on the big screen or on televisions? Is that an ambition or a goal, or are you happy well, where you are? Unless I'm on crime call, I won't be on TV anytime. So, but uh, no, the next one will. Is be, there something you want to confess to? Uh, not at this point. No, okay. m- m- next episode. Uh, no, um, 
Fishing for an invite back already. Yeah, like. <laughs> I'll give you the excuse. Yeah. Um, sold. No. sold. <laughs> uh, the two virgins will be next and they'll be uh, late summer, early autumn next year. Excellent. Well, listen, Wayne, thank you so much for coming in and having worries. a chat with us. Yep. It's been an absolute pleasure and the best luck with the two virgins and <laughs> uh, I suppose all, everything that's coming ahead for you down the tracks. Uh, this, of course, is Leitrim Daily, and specifically, it is Kiss My Arts here on Leitrim Daily. Thank you very much for joining. My name is Brefney Early, and I will be back tomorrow with the Sports Roundup Show. Talk to you then.